Crime scenes are extraordinarily similar to puzzles. There are many different pieces that hold crucial details. Although some details are obvious, others are less apparent. But at length, a detective can usually connect the pieces until the image the details create becomes visible. Even so, there have been some instances where the puzzle cannot be put together, and investigators are only left scratching their heads. A very curious crime scene that left many questions. The case has remained unsolved to this day and continues to perplex all who read about its gruesome nature. On July 21st, 1964, at 4am, Juan Valdez, a resident at Patio's Apartments, smelled smoke. The New Orleans police received a call. There was a fire. Nothing out of the ordinary. When the officers arrived at the scene, they found a fire burning in the back of the apartment building. When inside, they discovered a blazing mattress and promptly dragged it out of the house. However, something else that they found in the apartment changed their entire investigation. The body of Dr. Mary Sherman. The right side of her corpse was burned severely, and her scorched lung, liver, and intestines were visible. Moreover, Sherman's right arm and torso were clearly missing. On the walls, floor, and her chest was blood splatter, a sign that she had been stabbed. When her body was examined more closely, they realized that she had been stabbed in the heart, abdomen, and shoulder. These were likely self-defense wounds. There was very little fire damage, and the rest of the room was unharmed. Oddly enough, Dr. Sherman's purse prescription drugs, and jewelry were left completely untouched. Indeed, officers detected that something was very wrong about this case. The police were soon told by neighbors that Dr. Sherman's vehicle was missing from its usual spot at 3101 St. Charles Ave. It was found later that day at 108 p.m. at the 2600 block of Chestnut Street, nine blocks from her apartment. Found on the street near Dr. Sherman's car were an empty Diet Right can, a perfume dispenser, and a tube of lipstick. The keys to her vehicle were not discovered until the following day when a man trimming a hedge found them. Unfortunately, investigators were never able to recover any fingerprints. It was officially ruled that Dr. Sherman's death was caused by a stab wound to the heart. During the five-year investigation, authorities questioned at least 104 people and searched 49 locations in the vicinity. Sadly, her case continues to remain unsolved over 50 years later. It was the morning of January 15, 1947. A mother was taking her child for a walk in a Los Angeles neighborhood when suddenly... She came upon the exceedingly mutilated body of a young woman. At first, the mother assumed it was a trashed mannequin severed in half, but upon closer inspection, it immediately became clear that the body was, in fact, very real. The woman quickly ran to a neighboring house to call police. 
When authorities arrived, they found no blood on the scene, an indication that the woman had been killed somewhere else. But even more peculiar was the fact that the body was drained of its blood. The Los Angeles Police Department led the investigation, although the FBI's help was requested when they were trying to identify the corpse. After the young woman's fingerprints matched two others in the FBI's database, she was shortly thereafter identified as 22-year-old aspiring Hollywood star Elizabeth Short, later dubbed the Black Dahlia by the press. The FBI aided the LAPD further by checking the records of suspects in the case. Due to the fact that the incisions on Short's body were clean, detectives investigated a group of students at the University of Southern California Medical School. However, nothing ever came of it. Later, fingerprints were carefully studied on a letter sent from the potential killer. Even so, the FBI was never able to match them with any other fingerprint in their database. Although there are many speculations, no one truly knows who killed Elizabeth Short and their reasons for murdering her at all. Her death will most likely continue to remain a mystery. Our final story isn't exactly a crime scene, yet it is a scene of tragic death that left many in disbelief and is worth mentioning. The Empire State Building has been a popular destination for those seeking to take their own life. Since its completion in 1931, 36 or more people have committed suicide by throwing themselves from the top floors of the towering structure. Perhaps the most notable suicide was that of Evelyn McHale. On the morning of May 1st, 1947, at almost 11 a.m., a traffic director looked up and noticed a white scarf falling from the Empire State Building when quite suddenly there was a loud crash. Panic shortly thereafter ensued on the streets. As the traffic director followed a crowd of people equally as curious as him, he saw the body of a woman almost perfectly posed on top of a crushed limousine. The woman's ankles were crossed flawlessly, her gloved hands held tightly onto a necklace, and her face was remarkably calm, almost as if she was only taking a nap. But the woman was certainly dead. It was merely the manner in which she was found that gained so much attention. A young photography student, Robert Wiles, took the immortal photo of Mikhail lying on the car. The image was soon picked up by news outlets across the entire United States. This would ultimately lead to her death being referred to as the most beautiful suicide. Time magazine even made the photograph of the young woman picture of the week. There is still some uncertainty regarding the events that resulted in Mikhail committing suicide. She was going to marry her fiancé, Barry Rhodes, in June. Rhodes would later state that nothing was out of the ordinary, and Mikhail was very happy about getting married. However, after her death, Rhodes never married. A suicide note was later found. In it, Mikhail explained, I don't want anyone in or out of my family to see any part of me. Could you destroy my body by cremation? I beg of you and my family, don't have any service for me or remembrance for me. 
My fiancé asked me to marry him in June. I don't think I would make a good wife for anybody. He is much better off without me. Tell my father I have too many of my mother's tendencies. Regrettably, her wish to disappear from the world was never truly fulfilled, and her death will never be forgotten. Thank you all for watching. I just wanted to say thank you to all those who helped the Seriously Strange Twitter page hit 1 million followers. We did it in such a short time. If you'd like to get creepy facts like the ones from this episode on your Twitter feed, be sure to follow at Serious Strange. And I'll see you next time. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners support. If you decide to contribute, it's tremendously appreciated and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.